0: Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. Back here on Sunday night after what was quite possibly the best weekend for Purdue sports in recent memory. Everything that could have possibly gone Purdue's way on the football field went Purdue's way. Iowa lost to Nebraska on Friday night. Purdue came back after a slow start to keep the Old Oak and Bucket in West Lafayette and advance to the Big Ten Championship game for the first time in school history. Meanwhile, out in Portland, uh, Purdue basketball just ripped off an incredibly impressive weekend, winning the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament with wins over West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke. And the closest game of those three was West Virginia. A truly remarkable weekend. I have a feeling we're going to have a long episode today, so bear with me. Uh, we will start with football and then get into basketball. I really wasn't sure which way to go, but you know, it is the first time that Purdue has ever gotten to the Big Ten Championship game. So let's talk football, and then there will be plenty of basketball to talk about as well. If you don't, real quick, follow the show on Twitter. It's at Boilers Beyond. Uh, Stuff like this weekend, you got to be following. Come join the conversation. So much to talk about related to Purdue sports, so come hang out there and be sure to subscribe. We'll have a big episode later this week previewing the Big Ten Championship game. You're not going to want to miss it. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. So Friday afternoon... Purdue fans settled in in their you know post turkey coma still a little bit, and after watching soccer, everyone was excited to watch a Brian Ferentz offense for once. And uh, Iowa lost to Nebraska, something that I really didn't see coming. A game that Nebraska tried to be Nebraska and completely throw away. They weren't able to do it. Iowa couldn't capitalize on Nebraska mistakes. So, as everyone knew, that meant that if Purdue could go down to Bloomington and win the Old Oaken Bucket, Purdue would win the Big Ten West and go to the Big Ten Championship game, something that Purdue has never done until now. The Old Oaken Bucket game started a little bit slow. You know, like we've seen quite a bit this season, you know, Purdue had on the first drive of the game, they moved the ball well. You know, first play, a 21-yard pass to Andrew Sawinski. I think Maccabee had a couple of uh, 10-yard runs. I mean, Purdue moved the ball really well, had to settle for a field goal, and then it didn't feel great after that. Indiana went for a long touchdown. Jalen Lucas had a real big touchdown run, and Indiana was really making Purdue's defense bleed a little bit, and it was... You know, a thousand paper cuts. It wasn't just one stab. It was a thousand paper cuts until Dexter Williams got hurt. And that was a really unfortunate situation. You know, the guy tore his ACL last year, I believe. I don't know the extent of his injury, but, you know, that was scary stuff. Anytime a player uh, goes down the way he did, that's really scary. So, obviously, hoping the best for Dexter Williams... That injury, though, really changed the game because Indiana had just inserted him two weeks ago at Ohio State a little bit and then started him last week at Michigan State. And he didn't present much of a passing threat, but they were going to go with a run heavy offense, you know, almost like Air Force does uh, without the fullback, but a lot of spread option type stuff. They had no interest in throwing the ball. But that wasn't their game plan this year. You know, they brought Connor Bazalak in from Missouri to implement a more pass-heavy, pass-focused offense. It didn't go very well, and we saw why on Saturday. You know, after Basilac came in the game, Indiana's offense pretty much stagnated. Uh, the Hoosiers were up 7-3 when Bazalak came in. And then from that point, Purdue went on a 27-3 run. Uh, Indiana scored a touchdown on the last play of the game, but you know, really, in what mattered, Purdue went on a 27-3 run to win that game. It was very uneasy for Purdue. The first half was not fun. Uh, outside of that first drive and one Charlie Jones screen pass that he took 50 yards or so, Purdue got nothing going on offense. Uh, they really didn't look good. Indiana was bleeding the clock like no other. Watching them not even try to move the ball upfield at the end of that first half was something. But Tom Allen was completely content to take that game into the locker room at 7-3. Now, in the second half, Purdue's defense adjusted. They didn't let IU get the run game going, so they forced Basilac to throw. And we saw him make a few nice throws, but what we saw from Connor Basilak was a largely inconsistent quarterback that couldn't hit receivers that were sometimes open and certainly couldn't fit things into tight windows. That got the ball to Purdue pretty quickly, and Purdue made him pay. It was a pretty nice day for Aiden O'Connell. 18 for 29, 290 and two touchdowns. That's a really good stat line. Uh, It was a bad Indiana defense, but... You know, he capitalized, uh, had a really nice deep ball to Charlie Jones there for a touchdown, had another nice touchdown pass to Payne Durham early in that third quarter. Uh, obviously, it came out after the game uh, that Aiden O'Connell was playing with a heavy heart after the death of his brother. Uh, certainly thoughts and prayers with the O'Connell family for that. Certainly a unfortunate situation and a very difficult one for Aiden O'Connell to play through. Certainly emotional after the game. And as was Jeff Brom in his post-game press conference. You know, he started tearing up when talking about Aiden O'Connell. A really heartwarming moment. You know, Jeff Brom isn't the most emotional coach. Uh, You know, certainly when he talks to the media in press press conference situations, Usually not a ton of emotion there, but th- that really got to him. That was really special to see. A, a special win for Purdue. Devin Macabee was fantastic again, averaging 6.6 yards a carry. I-, I don't know what more you could ask from for this guy. He had five receptions for 58 yards as well. So he had over 150 yards of total offense, a touchdown. Man, I mean... He's been an absolute revelation. and we saw it in this game. He is so much better than the other running backs that Purdue has. King Doru hasn't returned. Uh, I know we played against Wisconsin. I don't remember if he played against Iowa, but you know, now it's Maccabee, Dylan Downing, and Kobe Lewis. And we really didn't see much Dylan Downing or Kobe Lewis. Downing had one carry for two yards. They got it to Tyrone Tracy once on a jet sweep. Aiden O'Connell tucked it and ran once or twice. But as a whole, Devin Mockaby is the ball carrier for this team. He was fantastic. Uh, And you know that certainly means something to a Southern Indiana guy to get a win over the Hoosiers. Not Charlie Jones' biggest day in terms of volume, but boy, he made it count. Uh, A 50-some yard reception, a 60-yard touchdown, Nice day for him. Another good one for Payne Durham. Uh, only four catches, but a touchdown, a couple of key catches to move the chains. He was solid. Um, you know, overall, it was a good effort by Purdue. On the defensive side of the ball, they did what they needed to do. It wasn't the most dominating Purdue effort. Uh, they did have six tackles for loss, which you like to see. Um got in there for a couple sacks, three sacks on the day, but, you know, they did what they need to do. They forced Connor Basilak to play quarterback, and it went well for him. Corey Trice had that pick six when he kind of just took the ball away from an IU receiver, and I think seeing that, you know, seeing Corey Trice and Jalen Graham lead the team in tackles, seeing Aiden O'Connell have a nice day. Seeing Charlie Jones and Payne Durham have good days. What this highlighted, if you ask me, is a special senior class doing something special. You know, this isn't a senior class full of guys that are going to be NFL pro bowlers. Maybe they will be. Maybe some of these guys will get a shot in the NFL. But these guys have really done a nice job of building Purdue up. And building Purdue to a level where they haven't been since the mid-2000s. You know, this is back-to-back eight-win seasons. Purdue hasn't done that in a really long time. In fact, what? They win eight in 2007? I think so. So, 6 07, they would have won back-to-back, uh, back-to-back seasons with eight wins. But do it in the regular season? I know 07, that eighth win came in the Mus- uh, Motor City Bowl. So you're going back a long way since Purdue has gone eight and four in two straight regular seasons they've done that I think you have to give the senior class credit because they overcame some lumps early on you know a lot of these guys I remember watching you know Corey Trice and cam Allen and Jalen Graham uh, get thrown into action in 2019 and they weren't ready for it <laughs> they certainly weren't Aiden O'Connell got thrown in there, and we never could have imagined it. Payne Durham played a little bit. He was the number two tight end behind Bryson Hopkins, and that season didn't go great. And then 2020 was really disappointing for a lot of people. And I I think after that Minnesota game, you know, things changed, but they lost to Rutgers. Uh, that wasn't fun. But credit to this team. The credit to this group of seniors. You know, they overcame some early lumps they had a real special year last year, and they did something this year that's never been done before. I think, you know, to say the quiet part out loud here, it probably would have been a little bit disappointing if we get would have gotten through the 2023 season, USC and UCLA joined the Big Ten, the divisions go away, and whatever construct the Big Ten chooses to replace the current format, goes into place, and you look back at a Big Ten West structure where Purdue had 10 opportunities to win that group and never did. Now, Purdue was in a tough spot for a lot of that time. You know, the division started in 2014. The first three years of that, Purdue was terrible. Purdue was non-competitive. Purdue was the worst team in the division. But after that, Jeff Brom built it up but they've only really been competitive in the West two times. Uh, Looking at last year and this last year, they lost the big 10 West by a game to Iowa. I think it's a very positive thing to say you did it uh, to say that you found a way, especially in a year where it was down. Uh, Make no mistake about it. The big 10 West is a bad division this year. Uh, Iowa, is so far away from a team that deserved to play for a championship, yet they nearly did. Wisconsin, I mean, just a season that did not go well for them. They finished six and six, I believe, uh, and Jim Leonard couldn't hold on to that job. Big time hire for them, by the way, but um, not a good Wisconsin team. Minnesota, eh. They they didn't have a great season. Nebraska disaster, Northwestern disaster. Illinois was good, but they're not they're not great. This was the year to do it. And it was far from a linear path. I think you have to give this team some real credit for resiliency. I tweeted this Saturday after the game, you know. There were two times when this team felt dead in the water just from an outside observer. And that was after Florida Atlantic and after Iowa. After FAU, Purdue was 2-2. Two and two. There was a lot of preseason optimism. They had just narrowly squeaked past a bad Florida Atlantic team. And now that I'm here on November 27th, we know they just fired their coach. Purdue just squeaked past them. You didn't know how healthy Aiden O'Connell was. At that time, your October schedule looked really tough. You're wondering if this team was going to a bowl game. And then they go 3-1 and one in October. You're, even after a loss to Wisconsin, You know you're still feeling all right. They can do this. They get flattened by Iowa. The West looks like a long shot. You're not feeling good about much. But credit to this team. They did not quit. They went over to Illinois. They beat a ranked Illinois team. They took care of business in frigid conditions against Northwestern, and then they went to Indiana, got off to a slow start, did not start well, obviously some off-the-field stuff that they had to battle through, and they did it. They finish 8-4, and four. they're going to the Big Ten championship game, and this really feels like a crowning achievement for Jeff Brom's quest to flip this Program, you know this program was a disaster in 2016 when he took it over. They were behind in facilities. They were behind in investment into football. Uh, Something that, you know, their rival down south, that's been the conversation all week down there, all month, is investment into football. Purdue got that aligned. They got the right coach. Jeff Brom got fans back into the stands. He plays an exciting brand of football. They've pulled off big wins, and now, you know, they're be they're being a representative in the Big Ten championship game. Something that they were as far from doing as you could possibly be just six seasons ago. You're playing Michigan now. You know, I don't I I saw circa opened up the line at fifteen and a half for Purdue versus Michigan. Um you know, I, to win that game would be quite a stretch. Um, I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not going to say it's impossible. We'll talk about it much more on the midweek show. That's going to be a football show. Um, but you're doing it. You know, you're going to play in this game. It is quite an accomplishment. It's something to be celebrated. And I think Purdue fans should be really excited to go experience this opportunity and, hey, You know, if you somehow pull off the upset, you're going to Pasadena. Uh, Just a really nice reward to cap off an up-and-down season, but at the end of the day, it wasn't always pretty, but Purdue accomplished the number one goal that it probably had coming into this season, and that was win the Big Ten West. All right, flipping notes. I know most of you are here to talk basketball, to listen to me talk basketball. Um. oh my goodness what a weekend for Purdue they went out to Portland to play in this event and if you listen to the show last what last Wednesday it would have been you know I kind of talked about how this tournament would be a great learning opportunity for a young team and it'd be a great barometer of how far this team still has to go well I look pretty dumb because they went out there and they won the whole thing, and they did so very convincingly. Just one of the most remarkable four-day stretches of Purdue basketball I've ever seen, and Matt Painter is absolutely remarkable. Uh, You know, just, what, six, seven months ago, you know, I had folks tweeting at me, I had folks DMing me thinking that Matt Painter was a problem. Uh, Folks, I said it then. I'm saying it now. Matt Painter is an elite coach, and you saw it again this weekend. Purdue just absolutely dominated three quality opponents. You know, they came in against West Virginia, and this was such a big game for them because you wanted to play Gonzaga instead of Portland State in that second round. And... Purdue led this thing wire to wire. Uh, Purdue led that game against West Virginia wire to wire. They, I think, scored four or five points to start the game and never looked back. They dominated at the free throw line. I guess I'm just, you know, I'm not going to go as much game by game here as much as I'll just talk about the weekend. And Purdue dominated the free throw line in these games. You know, you look at the game by game numbers, 85% against West Virginia. like a 73% if you round up against Gonzaga and 82%, excuse me, 84% against Duke. That is very, very big. You know, Zach Eady's kind of the point guy there. He took a bit of a step back at the free throw line from his freshman to sophomore season. And something that wasn't talked about much, and I didn't even talk about it much. But thinking about an area of improvement was Zach Eady at the free throw line coming into this season because he's going to be one of the most used players in America. You know, Purdue's getting the ball to him a ton. He's going to get fouled a ton. He's 7'4, 290. He's going to get fouled a lot. And at the foul line this weekend, he absolutely delivered. He was excellent. He did everything you could have wanted at the free throw line. And that's not to mention what he just did playing in general. Uh, double doubles in two of the three games only had seven rebounds against Gonzaga. But, you know, I believe he's still averaging 20 and 10 a game on the season. He's looked the part of an All-American center. He's looked the part of a National Player of the Year contender to this point. Now, that's it's early to say that. We haven't even flipped the calendar to December. But the linear improvement he's made has been pretty remarkable. You know, as a freshman, it was almost unbelievable how ready he was, how good he looked at times. But there were some times where he really struggled as well. As a sophomore, he looked a lot more comfortable. He was better to play out there for long stretches of time. But there were still times where he would get flustered, where he would struggle with the ball. Where decision making wasn't always good. And now you look at this year, and yes, you know, at times turnovers have been an issue. They were against West Virginia. He, he had six of them in that game. That's too many. But you look at what he's done as a whole, and he's so much more comfortable now than he was last season. And you look at just the shots he's making. He's more comfortable eight to 10 feet away from the basket, flipping up a hook shot and knocking it in. Uh, he looks phenomenal. He looks the part of a true centerpiece of this team. And he looks the part of a guy who, you know, again, is absolutely in conversation for Big Ten player of the year. And this is a Big Ten with some fantastic big men. Trace Jackson Davis, Hunter Dickinson, uh, Zach Edie are probably your three core ones, but. It's a really good big Ten of big men. Zach Eadie's right there with them. And I thought, you know, another thing I'd mentioned coming into this was that tandem of Caleb First and Trey Kaufman ran to see how they would play. And I thought they did really well. Caleb First was phenomenal over this tournament. The stat sheet reflects it. Uh, Certainly it does in the Gonzaga and Duke games as well. But the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet is so important with Caleb First. His motor is so high. He plays with a ridiculous amount of energy. He crashes the boards really hard. He goes up strong around the basket. Uh, He plays confidently. He's a very, very valuable piece to this team. I think this is a perfect role for him. You know... Last year, it was a bit awkward at times with him at the four. And it's still, you know, when he's playing with Zach Edey, there are the same dangers that are still out there. You know, at times, uh, today against Duke, Kyle Filipowski kind of had his way with him. But Kyle Filipowski's really good. Um, Caleb first made it tough on him, too. I mean... Caleb first didn't back down. He didn't give up anything easy, but at the end of the day, you know, Filipowski only had 14 points, five rebounds, and fouled out. First had 11 points, 10 rebounds. He was excellent. Uh, Just remarkable tournament for Caleb first. I think you're really seeing him round into something that, you know, reflects a guy who was a borderline top 50 recruit, who was an Indiana Mr. Basketball and who is going to be a fantastic player for Purdue. It wasn't a big tournament in terms of numbers for Trey Kaufman-Wren, but I'll say this much. He looks good in back-to-the-basket, you know, one-on-one post-up situations. That's going to be really important. Uh, when Zach Eadie's not on the floor, Purdue still needs to have that option, and Trey Kaufman-Wren can do that. He rebounds fairly well. Uh, he's aggressive, and I think you like that. These are all really positive things, and you have a whole different element to your team when he's on the floor with Caleb first compared to Zach Eady. Um, I, I think every early return on that pairing is really solid. You know, Purdue played Duke on uh Sunday, and. Purdue played Gonzaga on Friday. Those are a couple programs that do a lot with freshmen. Uh, this Gonzaga team specifically isn't as freshman loaded as some of their past ones have been. But as a whole, these are programs that do a lot with very highly rated talent. You look at Gonzaga, you know, Drew Timmy was very highly rated, Nolan Hickman was, uh, Hunter Salas was. Some really highly rated guys. I think Ben Gregg was too. And two of the best freshmen, if not the two best freshmen in this tournament, were from Purdue. Uh, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer had fantastic tournaments. Braden Smith's comfort with the basketball is so rare to see from true freshman point guards. It's a pretty big jump from any level of high school basketball or prep school basketball to playing at a high major Division one program. The game moves a lot quicker. Uh, your opponents are much bigger. In Braden Smith's case, you know, he's someone who played in a very competitive high school conference, a uh, very competitive high school area, uh, Did't play on you know the biggest AAU circuit or anything. But my goodness, the guy is a gamer. Uh, You see some of the things he was able to do. 14 points against Gonzaga. He had nine points against West Virginia, and he had four points against Duke. That doesn't necessarily jump out besides the 14. But against Gonzaga, he hit a three-pointer at an absolutely critical time. Gonzaga was making a bit of a push. He stepped up and drilled a big time three Uh, against Duke. He got in some foul trouble and I was wondering how that would go. One thing about Braden Smith that if you saw him play in high school, you certainly noticed he's very aggressive. Uh, You can tell at times this year he wants to be more aggressive than he's being. He wants to go out there and pick pockets He wants to press. You know, when that guy, that opposing point guard is 30 feet from the basket and is waiting on the offense to get set up, he wants to go for that steal. And in this game, he picked up two fouls. I think it was at the under eight. I think his second foul forced the under eight. And you had to see David Jenkins out there for the last bit of the uh, first half. And he picked up his third foul fairly quick into the second half. Didn't pick up another one from there, but you see just how vital he is to to this offense, how much better it flows with him. Uh, Against Gonzaga, the things he was doing with the basketball, getting into the lane and finding guys, getting into the lane and passing within the lane to Zach Eady. He had 14 points, five rebounds, seven assists against Gonzaga. That is a remarkable stat line. And he had 14 points on just seven shots. That's phenomenal. That is as efficient as you could possibly ask for. On the weekend, he was 10 for 10 at the free throw line. All you can ask for from a freshman, he's at 95% on the season there. Uh, I mean, whether that stays at 95% or not, probably not. But he's comfortable at the free throw line. He's a guy who is your best passer and your best ball handler, your best facilitator, and you can have the ball in his hands in late game situations. Unbelievable poise from him. And for Fletcher Lawyer, it was almost a coming out party of sorts because he had a nice game in the opener against Milwaukee, uh, hit three or four threes, had a really big game. And then against Austin P, he was cold. Against Marquette, he was a little bit cold. Didn't do a ton, but man was he excellent and you know really in terms of scoring uh he had a three early on against West Virginia and then not much else uh against Gonzaga he was excellent 14 points 4 for 8 three from three for 6 from three and then against Duke second in the on the team in scoring 18 points 4 for 8 from three uh the guy is the next great three point shooter at Purdue you know he to some degree, he fits into that Ryan Klein, Dakota Mathias, Sasha Stefanovic, Ryan Smith role. But I think to a certain degree, he has the highest ceiling out of all those guys. And I say that, you know, Sasha Stefanovic was a COVID case away from being a thousand point scorer at Purdue. Ryan Klein. Didn't have the most clear path to playing time until his senior year, but he was excellent. Dakota Mathias was a fabulous player at Purdue, but Fletcher Lawyer's offensive game is more well-rounded than any of those guys. You know, you saw it early on in the Duke game today. He dribbles down the left side of the lane and then cuts across for a reverse layup. Just simple things like that that he can do that so many of Purdue's shooters in the past haven't done. Uh, he had a inbound against Duke today where <clears throat> he's at the bottom of the screen, allows the defender to fly by, knocks down a deep two. Uh, we've seen him knock pull-ups down a- off of a dribble. All of those things you absolutely love to see from him. Uh, he's the best shooter I think Purdue's recruited. And they've recruited some excellent ones. Uh, He's a guy who he's going to be a thousand point scorer at Purdue. Uh, There's no question about it, assuming he's there for four years and whatever. But he has really shown early on that he has the ability to knock down jump shots. He looks comfortable on defense. That was something I think you worry about a bit for both those freshmen. And they've more than held their own to this point. Smith is a rebounder, is special. You know, he's often the smallest guy on the court, but he doesn't play like it. If you just look at the way he plays, you wouldn't know that he's sub six foot. Eight rebounds today against Duke. That's a team that had two seven foot plus guys on the floor for a lot of the game today. And he had eight rebounds. Uh, he had five of them against Gonzaga, uh, six of them against West Virginia. You know, I, I, I'm not good at doing math on the fly, but that's an average of more than six rebounds a game. Guys who are five foot eleven or so aren't supposed to be pulling down six rebounds a game. He is. He makes the hustle plays that are spectacular. And, you know, something about these two freshmen and how hard they play, it was in that West Virginia game when Braden Smith, after a Zach Eady block, saves the ball, throws it into the backcourt as the shot clock's winding down. And there's Fletcher Lawyer running all 94 feet to dive after it. He didn't get there, but because Braden Smith made that heads-up play to throw the ball down court, West Virginia had one second on the shot clock, had to try a 60-footer that I think went over the backboard. That is... Absolutely remarkable. Those are hustle plays that you cannot put a statistic on. You can't quantify those. Those are just remarkable plays by really, really good players. Uh, that was special to see. You know, they, they're they guys who, at the start of the year, when you thought, man, Purdue's going to play two freshman guards, they're, they're going to start two of them, Man, there there was reason to worry about that. Absolutely. Now, I can at least say that I wasn't one that was real worried about it, but you know, that was one that raised a lot of eyebrows. But you're seeing why. They are absolutely deserving of it, and they might be your two best guards at this point on the offensive end of the floor, uh, along with Ethan Morton. You know... The stat sheet is never going to tell the story for Ethan Morton necessarily, but when you look at it from this weekend, boy, it's pretty impressive. Uh, He didn't shoot the ball great. Uh, I'm doing the math here on the fly. I think he was two for 11 from three point range on the tournament. Is that right? No. One for nine, maybe. I don't know. Do the math yourselves. You guys have stats, but uh, you know, that doesn't tell the story what tells the story was ethan morton's 19 to 1 assist to turnover ratio that is unheard of he is a guy who is your best defender your most versatile defender but when he can bring that kind of value on the offensive end as well you know it's something that you you can't quantify because you trust him to do about anything You know, even though he didn't have the best weekend shooting the ball from outside, I think he knocked down all of his free throws. Uh, Scratch that. He was five of six from the foul line, but he's been a good foul shooter over the course of his career. You trust him to shoot open threes. He doesn't take a bad shot ever. Uh, That's something I noticed about Braden Smith, too. He hasn't taken a bad three yet this season. Sometimes he'll force one around the rim. But you haven't seen Braden Smith take many bad shots. And Ethan Morton quite literally does not take bad shots. He's been fantastic. Jay Billis was losing his mind over Ethan Morton all weekend for good reason. It's the intangibles. It's the basketball IQ of Purdue's backcourt of Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, and Ethan Morton. The game comes so easy to them in terms of processing it mentally. You know, I'm. I, I grew up a baseball player, and that's a sport where you have to process things so quickly on the fly. And basketball is the same way. Uh, it moves so quick that you have to know where your teammates are. You have to know what the right play is. And all three of those guys absolutely are able to process things at a very high level. They are all extraordinarily competitive. They play incredibly hard. And that energy is palpable. You know, I felt especially today, I'd say in both, you know, that Gonzaga and Duke game, those are teams that are used to not having to play hard. Gonzaga absolutely doesn't after the new year. They play a very tough non-conference schedule. But once they get through that, you know, they they play the Little Sisters of the Poor until they get to the NCAA tournament. They're not used to having to play hard. Duke has absurd talent. You know, they just brought in one of the top recruiting classes of all time. They have incredible amounts of talent, but they aren't used to having to play hard. Purdue brought that energy. Purdue brought that to the table. Uh, You look at Mason Gillis. uh, That game against West Virginia. Kind of consummate there. He was excellent, 14 points on five shots, had a nice game against Gonzaga. Uh, He canned a couple of threes against Duke, had limited minutes against Duke. You know, Caleb first was so effective that you didn't want to pull him out of the game. Brandon Newman's done a nice job uh, on limited minutes. Again, you know, a guy playing less than 20 minutes a game, sometimes less than 15 minutes a game. But he's done a nice job bringing effort, bringing energy. Knocking down shots that Purdue needs him to knock down. Uh, He had, you know, it was that game against Marquette when he had a bunch of rebounds. Well, he quietly had six rebounds against Gonzaga. Uh, He's been a really good, especially from a shot selection standpoint. He had a quick one today against Duke, but as a whole, a good tournament for him. Brian Waddell, a guy who I don't know how many minutes he's going to get this year. Uh, You know, again, it's hard to play 10 guys. And as of right now, it's clear he's the 10th guy. But when he's in there, he brings some real positive value. I thought he did some great things against West Virginia. Had a couple of big-time assists. He should have had another one today. Uh, Dropped a really nice pass off to Caleb first. Shot, got blocked, might have been goaltending. But, you know, he's a guy, another one, who brings energy He brings some defensive versatility, and he doesn't make bad plays. He is always out there making the simple play, making the fundamental plays, uh, doing exactly what you want. Uh, Over 20 minutes this weekend for him and just one turnover. Pretty good. Pretty good indeed. Uh, David Jenkins, I guess I've gone through every scholarship player at this point, but You know, David Jenkins, certainly an up and down weekend, Uh, not his best moments at times. But, you know, again, you're asking a guy who's not a point guard to go play point guard. Not the easiest thing to do. His shot making ability is notable. You know, he hit that tough turnaround jump shot at the end of the shot clock in the first half against Duke. Uh, But, you know, for a guy who's going to come off the bench and give you give you minutes when Braden Smith needs a breather give you minutes when a Fletcher lawyer or Ethan Morton needs a breather. Um, doing all you could ask for, uh, for a guy who you got late in the transfer cycle. Just a remarkable weekend for Purdue basketball. Again, this is, you know, this is pretty pretty remarkable, just what Purdue did. I, and I'm saying this over and over, but fantastic coaching job by Matt Painter. Uh, you just kind of see him, This team has so much of his identity. This team really plays hard. This team is so much more Purdue-like than what we've seen in recent years. You know, you don't want to always compare last year's team to this year's team. But, you know, last year's team won their tournament in November. But it was obvious even then that they couldn't defend. It was obvious that they didn't have a whole lot of interest in defending. They didn't make many hustle plays. That's all flipped. And I know we had a a listener tweet in a question about that, kind of. You know, he said, what happened in the offseason that could get this team diving for loose balls and hustling more than last season? And honestly, I think that is a massive reflection on Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. You bring in two freshmen that play their butts off like that, that's contagious because it's no different than anything else in life. You don't want the new guy to be better than you. So when those two young guys come in and are raising the level of energy like that, it causes everyone else to be that energetic. You're seeing Zach Eadie dive after loose balls. A guy who to some degree has no business diving after loose balls, but he's doing it. Uh, it's fantastic. Brandon Newman's doing it. That guy's playing harder than he ever has at Purdue. And you can't tell me that that hasn't gone a long way for him. I, never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined Purdue going out to Portland and winning this thing. You know, Purdue's about to be the biggest story in college basketball tomorrow morning. Uh, you know, if you're into the college basketball podcast world, Purdue's going to lead the CBS Eye on College Basketball podcast. Titus and Tate might even say something positive about Purdue. Titus's dad might have another Purdue meltdown. You know, this is just something that you would never have expected from this team in November. They are so far ahead of schedule. You know, I I think a lot of people expected this team to be pretty good, just didn't really know when. And the early answer now is now. Purdue is very good now. I would presume... When the AP poll comes out on Monday, that Purdue will be a top 10 team. I, you know, certainly think that could be a bit ambitious, but, you know, hey, why not? Uh, They have absolutely looked the part to this point. They play Florida State on Wednesday. And if you haven't followed college basketball nationally much, Florida State's off to a really bad start. Uh, let me pull up their record real quick. I know they lost a couple of bye games in a row. I know they just got pounded by Sienna the other day. Uh, they're not off to a great start. They're one and six uh, with their only win over Mercer. Uh, Greg Gary, sorry. Um, the rest of their losses, though, I mean, only two of their six losses are to high major opponents. They've lost to four mid majors already. You know, they're they're going to present some challenges. They're long. They're always athletic. Leonard Hamilton's a good coach. But I think the biggest challenge is this. Purdue's going to be the story of college basketball on Monday. These freshmen weren't exactly the stories of high school basketball. You know, they weren't big-time recruits. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, Trey Kaufman-Wren, David Jenkins, Brian Waddell, um you know Ethan Morton wasn't playing the biggest role early on last year a lot of these guys have to deal with some pressure here there're going to be expectations there's going to be a pretty pretty substantial number next to Purdue's name on the ESPN score graphic when they play Florida State and that game's 72 hours out they got to fly back from Portland fly to West Lafayette for a day hear how great they are Get on a plane to play a one and six Florida State team who is, you know, probably out of the NCAA tournament already, but they're in desperation mode as can be. Uh, They're desperate. So, this is going to be a really big challenge for this team to see what they can do. But, you know, Purdue won three games this weekend that I think are going to age really well. I think that West Virginia team is going to get better throughout the year. They have some nice pieces, uh, Trey Mitchell, uh, the Stevenson guy. They have some nice pieces. They just have to come together. I know Gonzaga is going to be just fine. They always are. Same with Duke. Those could very well be three quadrant one wins by the end of the year. Uh, it'll at least it'll at least be two. Just absolutely remarkable stuff from Purdue, and really as good of a weekend as you could have possibly imagined. For Purdue Athletics, uh, one that folks are probably never going to forget. I thought last year when Purdue beat Northwestern in football at Wrigley Field and then beat North Carolina and Villanova back-to-back days, I thought, man, what a weekend. Uh, This one blew it all away. I hope you all had wonderful Thanksgivings with your families, friends, however you spent your Thanksgiving. I hope it was wonderful. I know Purdue sports gave you something to be thankful about. Later this week, we will be back to preview the Big Ten championship game. I think I'm going to record that Tuesday night into Wednesday. Uh, That kind of works better for my schedule. So it's going to be a football-focused episode. We won't have another basketball uh, game to talk about. If you would like basketball questions to be answered, obviously send them over. I plan to do a big mailbag, uh, especially football. You know, It's still football season for the first time uh, ever. Purdue's in the Big Ten Championship game. So send over all sorts of questions. We will preview Purdue, Michigan later this week. Uh, Thank you for listening to me ramble for the last 47 minutes. But man, what an exciting weekend. Um, What an exciting time to be a Purdue fan. This is going to be a really fun basketball season. And you've really just are getting a trip to Indy to cap off two really fun football seasons. We'll be back later this week. Uh, Tweet me your questions. Send them over. Let's fill up that mailbag. Have a big episode later this week. I will talk to you on Wednesday morning, but until then, guys, take care, be safe, and enjoy the start of the Big Ten ACC Challenge.